Welcome to Kings River Life's Mystery Rats Maze podcast, where we share with you mystery short stories and first chapters of mystery novels read by actors from the San Joaquin Valley. This episode features the mystery short story, Cracking the Case of Humpty Dumpty, written by Shel Martin and read by local actor John Mazur. Detectives Brewer and Wilson arrived at Storyland in Roding Regional Park after a call had come in about a tragic death. The area had been cordoned off, and a crime scene unit had begun to scour the locality for evidence. Was it a horrible accident or a murder? The victim, whose remains lay splattered near a giant wall, had been identified by a young couple as Humpty Dumpty. Brewer studied the attractive woman who held an empty pail. You called this in? he asked her as he flipped open his notebook. Yes, I did, she said, sobbing. He was such a good egg. Who would do something like this? That's what we're here to determine, Miss, uh... Jill, and this is Jack. Why is Jack bleeding? Wilson asked. Poor baby, Jill said, holding a cloth to Jack's head. We went up a hill to fetch a pail of water. He fell down and broke his crown. Brewer and Wilson exchanged looks. What caused his fall? We heard a scream and a loud crack. It startled both of us. I came tumbling after him. And then you noticed the victim? Jill nodded. I called it in right away. Do you know what he was doing on the wall? Brewer asked. Jill looked at him quizzically. It was Humpty's job to sit on the wall. You can ask the king's horses and men. They tried putting him together again, but it was no use. These horses and men, Wilson said. Do they have any medical training? I don't know, Jill said. You'll have to ask them. Brewer and Wilson thanked them for their cooperation, then turned their attention to two men and two horses standing nearby. The detectives approached them, and Wilson asked, Are you all of the king's horses and men? We're it, the taller of the men said. You know how the economy is. There were a lot of layoffs. Can you tell us your version of what happened? Wilson asked. The big guy nodded and said, we happened to be making our rounds for the king when we heard some commotion. When we got here, Humpty was lying on the ground looking very white. At first, he just appeared to be shell-shocked. Then he passed out. Did you try to revive him? Brewer asked. The taller of the men said, Yeah, but it was no use. You ever tried putting an egg back in a shell? The shorter man shot him a look. I told him not to try moving him. You never move an accident victim, but did he listen? So neither of you have any medical training, Wilson asked, or the horses? The two men shook their heads, and the horses both said, Nay! We were only trying to help, the shorter man said. Brewer handed the man one of his cards. If you think of anything that might be helpful to us, give me a call. A woman was just exiting a small cottage when the detectives approached. Wilson spied the name on her mailbox. Mrs. Hubbard? Yes, she said, adjusting her wireframe glasses. Can I help you, boys? The men introduced themselves and explained why they were there. That's just awful, old Mother Hubbard said. No, I didn't hear anything. I'm a little deaf. I was just going to give my poor dog a bone when I discovered my cupboards were bare. I'm on my way to the store. Cupboards? Brewer asked. Cabinets, she said. I guess no one says cupboards anymore. Uh, can I go now? She asked. I want to get back before my soaps are on. But you might try checking with the woman next door. She's a single mom, lots of men coming and going at all hours. 
Not that it's any of my business, she said through pursed lips. The detectives knocked on the front door of a tiny stucco home, but nobody answered. Let's check around back, Wilson said. There they discovered a woman singing. Rock-a-bye baby on a treetop. Holy Moses, Brewer said, pointing to a cradle way up in a tree with a tiny arm visible on one side. Wilson sprang into action, climbed the tree, and returned with a crying infant. Instead of being grateful, the woman scolded them. Now look what you've done. Do you know how long it took me to get that child to sleep? The only thing that quiets him is a gentle breeze and the rocking motion of the branches. She took the child from Wilson and bounced it on her hip. Man, she said, turned on her heel, and stormed into her house. Brewer and Wilson both shrugged their shoulders. Wilson took out his notebook and made a notation. Called Dyfus. The detectives returned to the street to find a girl in a red cloak running after a naked man. You've got to be kidding me, Brewer said as they chased after them. When they turned a corner, they found the girl beating the naked guy over the head with a basket and screaming at him. I don't care if you are an emperor. You put some clothes on. You're worse than the wolf with the big eyes. Hey, hey, Brewer said, grabbing the girl's arm. May I, he said, taking her cloak and offering it to the man. Here, yeah, buddy, put this on. You want to explain what's going on? Wilson asked. I'm Little Red Riding Hood, the girl said, and I'm tired of seeing this man who claims to be an emperor walking around naked. I'm not naked, the man said, casting off Red's cloak. I'm wearing my new clothes, he said, giving a little spin. Okay, buddy, Brewer said, handing him the cloak again. To Wilson, he said, this guy's been hitting the bottle. Notice his breath? He's obviously beyond the legal limit. The emperor, wrapped comfortably in Red's cape, had slid onto a neighbor's bench and began to snore. Brewer cuffed him to the bench. We can pick him up later. In the meantime, let him sleep it off. With the situation under control, the detectives found Red talking to a young man with a horn. And who might you be? Brewer asked. The young man proceeded to play some blues on his saxophone before answering. I'm little boy Blue. I'm playing at the Black Sheep Lounge tonight if you can make it. Red's gonna be there, right, Red? The girl blushed in reply. You can do whatever you like later, but right now we need your help in an investigation, Brewer said. Are you aware that Mr. Dumpty is dead? Red gasped and Blue's jaw dropped. He fell off a wall this morning, but we're not so sure he wasn't pushed, Wilson added. Blue snapped his fingers in rhythm and sang the closing theme song to the sitcom Frasier. You find this situation amusing? Wilson interrupted. Well, you have to admit, Blue said, that's one big omelet. Wilson and Brewer asked them a few more questions, then moved on. What do you make of this so far? Wilson asked his partner. We have a couple of kids with a pail, a couple of inept horses and men acting as would-be EMTs, a deaf old woman, an unfit mother, a drunk naked guy, a girl in a cape, and her blues-playing boyfriend. And nobody's given us any leads. Well, I don't know about you, Brewer replied, but I'm getting hungry. You smell something cooking? Both detectives sniffed the air, trying to determine the location of the delicious aroma. Smells like barbecue, Brewer said. I think it's coming from across the way. They followed the scent to a backyard where a wolf was flipping burgers on a grill. He seemed in deep thought as they approached. Dog gee, you guys startled me, the wolf said. I thought you were the little pigs. The detectives flashed their badges. Ah, <laughs> sorry, no offense, he said and grinned. None taken, Wilson said. 
exchanging glances with Brewer. Speaking of pigs, you weren't planning on making any bacon, were you? With maybe an egg on the side, he hinted. The wolf laughed. <laughs> Not likely. My doctor has me on a low cholesterol diet. What about the burgers, Brewer asked. Tofu with imitation barbecue sauce for flavor. And me a wolf. Oh, where am I manage? Uh, would you like to try one? Both detectives declined, and the wolf continued. Now my cousin, Big Bad, he's the one you want to talk to about, uh... The wolf paused mid-sentence, peeked over the fence, and waved to the three little pigs who lounged on lawn chairs in their backyard. He lowered his voice to a whisper. The other white meat, if you know what I mean. The detectives got Big Bad's address and left. On their way there, they came upon a rusty Chevy Suburban that had seen better days. The truck was propped up on a jack, and a bedraggled woman wrestled with its left front tire. Allow me, Wilson said, offering his assistance. While he worked, Brewer took the opportunity to talk with the woman. She explained that she was just returning from a trip to the store when the tire went flat. The windows in the truck were open, giving Brewer a clear view of the vehicle's contents. Besides being filled with children of all sizes, he noticed several shopping bags, a large skillet, several types of seasonings, and a cookbook called How to Cook Poached something or other stuck out of one bag. When Wilson finished and joined his partner by the driver's door of the truck, Brewer shifted his eyes to the packages. I think we found a culprit, Brewer whispered. What about Big Bad? Wilson said. Oh, are you looking for Big Bad? the woman asked. He's at a rap convention this week. He produces music part-time. Maybe you heard his single, Miss Red in the Hood? I watch his place while he's gone. I don't know what to do anyway, what with so many children as you can see. We live in a shoe, an old one at that, and I can use the extra money. Must be hard feeding all those kids, Wilson said. I've learned to make do, the woman answered. Her eyes shifted from one detective to the other. Why are you asking me these questions? The woman rubbed her arms and shifted from one leg to the other. What time did you leave for the store this morning? Brewer asked. I'm not sure. Around 9 a.m., I guess, she said nervously. Brewer conferred with Wilson. She could have pushed Dumpty off the wall on her way out of the park to buy groceries. And I'm not so sure it's a coincidence about those purchases of hers. Wilson concurred with his partner. I think you'd better come down to the station with us, ma'am. The shoe woman cried as Wilson and Brewer gave her a tongue lashing in the interrogation room but she refused to come undone. She swore she was a straight-laced person and a loving, decent soul. A tap on the door interrupted them. Donald Melzer, head of the CSI team, called the detectives out of the room. Gentlemen, we seem to have a slight problem. The victim's farm records show he's a free-range egg. Humpty's mother was a cage-raised chicken. The victim also had a tattoo, E.B. E.B.? Brewer asked. Eggland's best. The real Humpty Dumpty had no tattoos. So the victim isn't Humpty, Brewer stated. Then who is he, and where is the real Humpty? As the men were discussing this, a young officer approached them. You need to come to the front desk right away. The three men followed the officer down the hall and were shocked to find a large, live egg that looked identical to the one identified this morning as Humpty Dumpty. Where is she? Where is the shoe woman? The egg said. I demand to see her. Melzer, Brewer, and Wilson were dumbfounded. Melzer asked, Are you Humpty Dumpty? 
I'm not answering any questions until I see the shoe woman and know she's okay. Melzer nodded to the officer and told him to bring the woman out. A moment later, Humpty embraced her and said, I heard on the radio that you were brought in for questioning. Are you okay? Did they hurt you? The shoe woman cried as she said, They kept telling me you were dead and they suspected me of killing you. Well, as you can see, I'm very much alive, so I guess you can go now. The shoe woman started for the door, but Melzer stopped her. We'll be the ones to decide who stays and who goes. We just discovered from your farm records that the body wasn't yours. Fine, Humpty said. Let me save you some time. His name is E.B. White. You already know that he's a free-range egg. Free-range. Everybody loves them. Nobody is happy with a cage-raised chicken egg anymore. It's all about health and what's good for you. White applied for a job at Storyland. It was just a matter of time before my expiration date surfaced. Then where would I be? Who knows? Maybe that's why I went bad. Told him he could try out my job. Once he was on the wall, I pushed him over the edge. Nobody would have replaced you, Humpty, the shoe woman said. She turned to the group and boasted about her friend. Did you know Humpty starred in that commercial, This Is Your Brain on Drugs? He also appeared in several breakfast advertisements. He's quite famous. That's very impressive, ma'am, but it doesn't change the fact that he committed a murder. He might have to fry because of it. You'll have to catch me first, Humpty said. Before anyone could grab him, he ran to an open window and leaped out. Everyone heard a thwack as he landed two stories below. The shoe woman was the first to the window. Oh no, she cried, her hand covering her mouth. The men surrounded her and saw Humpty, his shell only slightly cracked, run to a late model sedan, hop in, and speed away. How could he? Brewer asked. Oh, Humpty spent a lot of time in his hot tub last week, the shoe woman said. Wilson looked at Brewer. Well, nobody said this was going to be over easy, but whoever thought it would be a hard-boiled crime. Cracking the Case of Humpty Dumpty was produced by Kings River Life. You can learn more about Shell Martin and her writing on her website, shellmartin.com. Our theme song, The Blues, was written and played by Kevin Memley. Check out Kings River Life magazine's websites for more mystery, local theater, animal rescue, and so much more. kingsriverlife.com and krlnews.com. Now, we'll be back next time with another mystery short story or mystery first chapter. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you don't miss a single episode. And follow us on Twitter to keep up with everything KRL at Kings River Life. If you enjoy this episode, please rate or review it. This helps make us easier to find for others. Until next time, this is your announcer, Jim Tuck, wishing you a life full of mystery. Mystery.